Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Fix the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake hole. And today we are going to be discussing Season 4, Episode 17, It's a Terrible Life. Jamie, what did you think? I take issue with that. I would like to argue that it is not a terrible life. <laughs> like, I... Okay. It's the happiest they've ever been. <laughs> I know. That is my point. It's like, okay... So I feel like I need to get my actual, like, thoughts about this episode out of the way, like, straight up off yeah, the bat. that's fine. Whatever order you want to talk about it, I'm more than happy to follow your lead. I think the conclusion that Zachariah makes that it's more than just, like... Fate. Fate. It's more than just his... It, like, that it is fate. That it's more than just, like, like, John or this or that or the other, or, like, his upbringing or whatever... I would like to dispute that. Yeah, actually, before you do, the, I'll give the quote because I did. I, I wanted to talk about this too, so I did take it down in case someone hasn't watched the episode recently. But the quote is, You're a hunter not because that's what your dad made you, not because God called you back from hell, but because it's who you are and you love it. You'll find your way to it in the dark. You're miserable without it. Just face it, Dean. You're good at this. You'll be successful. And what he's talking about is you'll be successful in... In everything, as he says, you know, defeating the demons as they try to summon Lucifer, you know, containing the apocalypse, essentially. Yeah, but I would like to argue that that is incorrect, inherently. I think purely the fact that they put him in a situation where there was a ghost, Mm. null and voids their hypothesis. Yeah. Because they didn't... He didn't looking for a ghost. Nothing is in a vacuum. Yeah. It's not like... I would argue, based on this, that Sam is more predetermined to this life than Dean is. Yes. I... Oh, I'm loving where your head is at. I also... I... Look, I don't know if they thought about the implications of it, but they might have. I would also argue that whatever the fuck is going on with Sam and drinking demon blood is more powerful than whatever charm the angels put on Sam. I really love this episode. I think it's very fun. Oh, it's a very fun episode. It's very fun. It's a very enjoyable watch. It's one of those episodes where it's like, oh, it's funny and lighthearted, haha, on the surface, and then you fucking think about it. And you're like, there is so much here. And everything that you've just touched on, I agree with 100%. And I would like to expand on a little bit. Oh, yeah, that's, that was my plan. Yeah, like, we're get, Fantastic. We're, we're dealing with the implications now. Okay. And then we can go into the petty bullshit, but... Yeah, like, <laughs> as we always do. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the implications. So mm-hmm. I think we really do need to talk about the implications of what Zachariah is saying that like it's destiny or whatever, and mm-hmm. that's why Dean faced off against the ghost. Yeah, Dean except will, he'll find his way back to it in the dark. Except it's not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because this whole situation is fabricated. Like Dean was not a you know a, what is he? He's the director of sales and marketing. I think Dean Smith. Oh, my ideal dream job. Yeah. Cannot wait to be Dean Smith. <laughs> this is the most <gasps> Dean coded you've ever been. <laughs> it is! Oh my god! <laughs> How does it feel, Jamie? It's just hit me. You're Dean Winchester coded, I'm Dean, Dean Smith, Smith coded. coded. <laughs> <laughs> Obsessed with that take. <laughs> Hilarious. Even down to the the phenomenal outfit choices. Like he is so put together. Oh my god. I finally get to tell you, this is the business Ken outfit. Yes. Anyone who's listening, if you do not know what I'm talking about, if you Google, if you Google 
Barbie Kendall cool career or like cool business career. When we do the announcement tweet and when we do the announcement Tumblr post, we will attach an image. Images. Like. Because it is the exact outfit. Ken cool career. It's it's the outfit. It's the suspenders. It's the red tie. It's the striped shirt. And it came out in 1991, which makes me think that it's a reference. Like I like I have to assume that whoever did the costuming chose this outfit to match the Ken doll. Which, considering this entire universe, mm-hmm. not the, but is fabricated by the angels. Uh huh. The angels are also making They're this. treating him like a dress up doll. Literally. It, I. Adore this episode. <laughs> anyway, sorry. It's got implications all over it. It's got implications up the Let me guess, it's fucking wazoo. Sarah Gamble. Oh, so funny you say that. Yes, in fact, it does happen to be a Sarah Gamble episode. Sarah Gamble's Hong Kong. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. We were talking about uh, Dean Smith. So he is the director of sales and marketing. Yeah. And he is not going out of his way nope. to find a fucking ghost. No. In fact, Sam is the one that continuously approaches him. And he tells Sam to fuck off a couple of times yep. before he even entertains the notion of talking to Sam, let alone the, the only reason ghost. he gets involved is because he watches someone kill themselves in front of him. Yeah, like, pretty, like you know, and it's not even that just the guy kills himself, it's also that he has the extra environmental things, things of like seeing the ghost in the mirror and like the and all of the taps and like the, the cold breath and the you the know soap dispensers which like looks like the tubby custard machine was <laughs> I'm sorry that's not the tubby custard machine it's, it's how the, they make the chicken polarized chickens yeah <laughs> one of my favorite my... one of my favorite bits of this podcast is genuinely us just dragging up tumblr's greatest hits <laughs> From, like, the depths of the internet. To quote myself, yes, I will quote a decade-old Tumblr meme. It is my <laughs> God-given right. Exactly. So, yeah, so he had all these environmental context clues. And it's not even that he then came up with the idea himself that it may be a ghost. Because Sam has already planted that in his mind. Days, like, hours ago. You know? And and it's not even the first death. It is now the second. So, like, yeah, he's more suspicious. And, yeah, he's already thinking this way. But none of it organically originates from Dean himself. It is all external. But also, all of the things that make him think, yeah, maybe maybe we should do this, maybe I should do this, are all things that are because of John. Mm. Because the things that are making him think, wow, maybe I should do this, is like the muscle memory of swinging like the wrench and shit. The sense it's, of duty and responsibility. It's it's all of the shit that is like not necessarily like in his memories, but like physically his body retains that muscle. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because even like, and we know that that's the case because the angels haven't given them new bodies for this. No. They have just altered their memories, yeah. right? And even in the episode, we have the conversation between Sam and Dean where Dean says like, how did you even know how to do that? Like, what are you a black belt or something? And Sam's like, no, I've got no idea how I did that. It's just the muscle memory from doing it's it so many times yeah. and from being trained from a young age to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, all of their abilities and even like, you know, we get the hilarious line from Sam, like, how did you know that ghosts were afraid of wrenches? You know? And it's not because they swung anything randomly. Like, Dean, in his, like, subconscious, knew yes. that it was I. Like, you know, it's 
it's so this episode has so many layers but it's presented in such a fun way it's, yeah. it's almost like do you remember we talked about Houses of the Holy? Yeah. And you were saying that, like, from the outside, it kind of just feels like, you know, just another episode. It's got a bit of a fun twist. But, like, when you actually start to think about it, it's just, like, this fucking web of, like, you know? That's kind of how I feel about this She one. did Houses of the Holy too. Didn't yeah. Fucking, fucking Sarah Gamble, man. Sarah Gamble, long con. Like, <laughs> yeah, and again with angels. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Yep. That's the whole, that's mm-hmm. the whole bit that, you know, we've had forever now from Houses of the Holy, actually. Yeah. Was when that joke started, and now we're here, and now she's kind of proving the point. Yeah, yeah. Every, everything about this episode that they try to frame as like, oh, uh, he's drawn to hunting is like, actually, no. He's pushed to it. He's pushed to hunting because the situation necessitates it. Mm-hmm. I do think it's fucking hilarious. So that the angels this week were really like, oh, we don't give a shit about Sam. Like, technically, he has to be there, but like. We're going to make him work in a cubicle. Like, he is, like... Customer service, Sam. I fucking... <laughs> I love. It's so fun. And, oh, okay. So, before we before we move on to Sam, yeah. because I, I do think that's a valid point, mm-hmm. Sam is, feels like an afterthought. Like, the angels were like, well, uh, you know, sure. He's not the point. Oh, you just Sorry, made a face. Sorry, I that's just... Okay. You just had an O moment. <laughs> Look, there is nothing in this episode that inherently supports it. Okay. But cool, fun, new headcanon of how this episode went. Okay. Originally, the angels didn't put Sam there. Oh. Dean by himself was not gravitating towards hunting. Interesting. So they had Sam in, like, stasis, and then they were like, fuck, we have to put him in somewhere because Dean's not doing what we want him to do? Yeah. Ooh. Again, like, there is nothing in the episode that says this is how happened or how no, but that's interesting but there's also nothing in the episode that directly contradicts it here's the thing dean being in hunting because sam exists is actually something that we can come back to oh fucking hell like here's the thing <laughs> where's that goddamn meme that's like the, the gift of <laughs> apollo like the red goddamn dodgeball yeah i i just thought it was a fun thought yeah, look, we will come back to it. We will come back to it relatively soon. So I, it will be something that we can discuss relatively soon. But basically, yeah, this idea that Dean would ever choose to hunt if Sam wasn't with him is certainly something that we can elaborate on further mm. as we go through the yeah. series. I would argue that if it wasn't for Sam, there are multiple points in the series before and after this point that Dean would have just quit the life. Yeah. And it is only that Sam existed that brought Dean back in. So that is certainly a really interesting point. What I want to very quickly talk about, though, is the fact that Dean is so good at being the director of sales and marketing. He is excelling in this position. It's not surprising, though. No. That's the thing, because we have established this. Yeah. We established it in Hotel Hotel Babylon, (laughs) Hollywood Babylon, in which he immediately fits like yeah he's pretending to be a pa but within like three days of pretending to be a pa he's like the head pa like he is just like climbing like he's friends with everyone he's like yeah he has the ability to actually do this and i don't remember what episode it was i think i want to say it was even back in season one where we were talking about dean and intelligence and the way that it's somehow often framed that like sam is like the smart one and dean is like the dumb one or whatever but we talked about, and I said to you, we later get evidence that if Dean was 
ever in a position where he was able to access higher education, not only would he, but he would excel. And this is the episode I was talking about. Mm. Because in this episode, he has a Stanford education, specifically a Stanford education. And he had that stable home that he is so desperate for. He had Bobby and Ellen and sister Joe, and that was his family unit that was supportive and caring and helped him through his education and into this position. And God, I just... I also just want to call out, in this episode, he specifically says, now we do my favourite thing, research. I know, because, like, he's... He's good at it! He's good at it! It's literally circumstantial shit. Like, there is a reason that Sam was pushed to be the kid who was doing the research for the hunts. And it's because he was younger. It was because John was taking Dean with him to do the physical hunting. And Sam was left in a motel room or at a library or wherever the fuck where he could be doing research and then calling them and saying, hey, this is what I found. And we get confirmation of this. I know it doesn't feel like a spoiler, but we get confirmation of this in later episodes that this is exactly the procedure that would happen. Sam would be left at a library. Sam would be left at a hotel and he would be doing research. And crucially, it's not because Sam is inherently better suited towards research or study. Mm -hmm. It's because he was younger. It's because he was younger and because there was that whole thing about you have to protect Sam at all costs. Which, okay, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not... Wanting to bring up John and the Supernatural Podcast and the Year of Our Lord 2020. No, that's fine. It's relevant. I am kind of, like, the more I'm watching of this show, the more I'm baffled by the way it is framed as you must protect Sam at all costs. Because, like, they're both his kids. Mm -hmm. How do you determine which one is inherently worth protecting at the cost of the other one i genuinely think it comes down to john not being able to be a parent and so he palmed off the responsibilities to the eldest child like i genuinely think it has to come down to that because he couldn't make it sam the six month old's job to look after dean so it had to be dean look after sam because john clearly wasn't thinking fucking enough to be like maybe i should leave them with an adult caregiver if i can't look after them myself you know so I, I think it just genuinely comes down to that. It like, yeah, I can't think of another way that it would. I would be interested if anyone else has a take, but yeah. Insane. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is other, one other thing that I really just want to question. Mm-hmm. In this episode, Sam says that he had a girlfriend named Madison. Is that a reference to the werewolf in heart? Yeah. And what is so fucking funny about that is what he actually says is, I moved here after I broke up with my fiance, Madison, but I tried her number and it called an animal hospital. And I was like, fuck. (laughs) Sarah, you didn't have to do that. And also, it's an interesting choice that she used Madison and not Jess. AU of this episode where she used Jess and the number went to a fire department. <gasps> Jamie! <laughs> you can't see it on her face, but she looks scarred for life. Mm. Also, actually, hot take, AU universe where she said Ruby. <gasps> yeah. Where would it redirect Where would to? the call go to? State prison. <laughs> the blood bank. <laughs> I was going to say a bar called, like, Hell Below or something. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Okay. But, yeah, so it's it's very interesting 
that she chose to go with Madison, which it just seems like a bizarre choice. Like, yeah. Especially because Madison isn't even like a recent flame. No. Like more recently would have been in episode 14 with like the doctor whose yeah. name I forget. But yeah, that would have been more relevant. But no, no, Madison. And I just think that's so fucking Did funny. Did she write her? I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe let me just double check that. Because, like, that would make sense. If she wrote both episodes, it would make sense why she would call back to her own episode. But it's like, yeah, I was very surprised that they went with Madison and not Jess. That was that was where my surprise... Oh, do you know what? It was written by Rael Tucker, who is Sarah Gamble's writing partner so for she's... episodes like Faith. Yeah. So it might just be, like, a call-out to Rael. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's actually... I'm glad that we checked that, because that actually makes a lot more sense. I was like, that... the. The random werewolf that he slept with once. Yeah, and not Jess. And not Jess. Or Ruby. Yeah. Interesting. All right, then. Yeah. But no, so I did I did think it was a funny joke. I'm glad that we now have the context that it's actually a call out. I think that's quite fun. I do want to touch on, and I think that this is, look, the opening of this episode is, I, I really love it. It's one of my favourite openings of Supernatural. I love the choice of song, which is the kinks, well-respected man. I, I love it. I think it's just so fun. See, I took really serious issue with the opening scene. Oh, really? Specifically the steaming of the milk. That is not <laughs> the sound the steamer is meant to make as you're frothing your milk. That is, like, it is what? completely wrong. As much as we're like, yeah, Dean is smart as hell in this episode. He's fucking dumb as shit. He should take a barista's, a barista's course. Because I that was... is not how that coffee machine is meant to sound. If it sounds like that, we're doing it wrong. I thought that you were about to make a really like, I was like, what ethical, like, socio political statement did I miss in this opening sequence? <laughs> I'm so glad it was about frothing the milk. I'm not going to lie to you. I was really worried you were about to ruin that scene for me. I was like, damn. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, cool. Well, he's allowed to have one toxic trait. And if his toxic trait is he can't make a good latte, I'll give it to him. He is American, so. What else did we expect? We're particular about our coffee in this country. Yeah. I do actually want to point out that at the end of the episode, Zachariah does make that dig at Dean, which is like, if you'd rather go steam yourself another latte. Yeah. And I do think it's interesting one of the things that I really want to talk about in this episode is actually the deconstruction of Dean's performative masculinity. Yeah. Because, again, it's another contrast of, like, raised by John versus raised by Bobby and Ellen and having that stable home. Like, Dean, who will only drink his coffee black, versus Dean, who steams himself lattes. Like, he's Dean the same who goes person. on a juice cleanse. Who goes on a fucking juice cleanse. And, like, the thing is, he's not a different person. Yeah, it is. Both of these characters are the same person. The only thing that has changed is there is details about their upbringing and their environmental conditions. Yeah, that's it. And so it's so fascinating to me that the Dean that we know in Supernatural would enjoy lattes. Like there is a world out there where he would willingly enjoy lattes, where he would listen to the business reports and not hard rock, where he would eat salad and hate the idea of, you know, eating shitty diet of food all the time and hate being on the road. We get the quote from him where he's like, you can't hunt monsters without health insurance, you know, like, and this is, this is Dean. This is Dean if you just replaced all of his shit memories of John with happy memories of being raised by Bobby and Ellen and, like, going to school and having a stable place to live and, like, going to university and... Yeah, 
And it's obviously the angels had like a hand in manipulating and giving him specific memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the nature versus nurture argument comes up a lot in Supernatural. It's a really recurrent theme. And I do think that this is a really great example of it. Basically what the angels tried to do is basically say, ah, yes, we completely removed you from your upbringing. Therefore, it is inherently your nature. And Mm. that is why it is as it is, because it is in your nature. Mm -hmm. I don't think they fully removed the nurture element, though. I think that's what they failed to do. Yeah, and I think that that might actually be an inherent flaw of angels. Yeah. And, like, it's something that we've already kind of touched on and we will continue to touch on, which is that they don't actually understand humans very well. No, they. I think they think of humans as a lot more simple yeah. than they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they very much underestimate yes. humans. Particularly they underestimate Sam and Dean, I think. Because, yeah, they see them as lesser. The only angel that we have had up to this point Actually, angels we've had up to this point who don't refer to humans as lesser are Cass and Anna. Yeah. The other angels that we've had being Yuri and Zachary. Oh, look. Which. Okay, do you know what? I spent this entire episode like, yeah, this is a trickster episode. They've used the same sort of lighting techniques that they normally use in the trickster episode. They've used the same sort of like motifs. You cannot tell me that the photocopier montage officey bit they did this is not exactly the same as what they did in mystery spot you cannot change my mind they are the same thing like if you hold up two pictures and you're like what is the difference between these two pictures there is no difference (laughs) they are the same so originally when i said that it was a joke i was like this theory they won't be doing that because like everyone refers to Cass as like the first angel we meet there is no way in hell that we had another angelic character before it and I haven't heard anything yeah. about how they're an angelic character. I am moving that from a batshit <laughs> theory into a serious theory. There's no way they're using the same lighting and direction techniques and storytelling elements, and they're not going to make the trickster an angel. Like, I'm sorry. It is the same thing. I am now deathly serious. When I say the trickster is an angel, I mean the trickster is an angel. This is, like, this episode, the fact that I spent the entire episode thinking it was the trickster... Yeah. For me, has just cemented in my brain, like, this is something they're going to do. Do you know what's fucking terrible? Is that now, like, before it was just a silly joke, and you still brought it up just to torment me, but now you're moving it to a serious theory, which means that you're going to do it even more. You're welcome. You said there was no evidence to disprove this theory. So that, I would, had, that I can remember all that we've yet come across. And now I'm like... <laughs> so I would argue what you're leaving out of that is that I know is going to get confirmed. I think you're purposely being dishonest for me. I mean, it's the entire... Uh, <laughs> you, li- you literally said to me, like, was it last night or the night, night before over, like, message? And you were like, considering we are at the closest point we've ever been in our friendship, we also lie to each other's face on a constant basis. Yeah, it's, it's the most, it's the closest we've ever been and yet the most dishonest we've ever been. <laughs> I think you were lying through your fucking teeth and I am moving it into a serious theory category. All right, fine, <laughs> fine. The, the problem is, the problem is I can't argue with you. <laughs> okay, no, it's a, look, very valid theory. I respect the hell out of it. I, would I think just that say you, that I think that you have justified your arguments mm-hmm. with the information that you have available to yeah. you, and I respect that. That's I would what just I'm... like to say I do think it's a shame that no one can see the manic energy in my eyes as I went on that. <laughs> <rant>. <laughs> like I was feeling it. I was like, 
I look insane. I was like... Jamie looks like that one meme from, I think it's It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where the guy's got all of the red string and he looks a bit crazed. And I just have my head in my hands. And that is all you need to know about the energy in this room right now. Okay. You can't confirm. You can't deny. Blah, 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 blah. blah. Moving along. Okay. If nothing... Look, I will say this. If nothing else, I am impressed with the evidence you have amassed regardless of whether you are right or wrong i am impressed with the dedication to which you have approached this batshit theory jamie always commit to the bit <laughs> last name redacted <laughs> while we are talking about angels slash not angels i do want to touch on we got a new angel this episode we've already mentioned him a couple of times zachariah mm-hmm. he we don't get a huge amount of information about who he is we all we do know for certain is that he is castiel superior yeah or at least that's what he tells mm-hmm. us and we get the sort of monologue that he gives to Dean at the end, yeah. which you've already sort of said that you think completely misses the point. Yeah. Okay. How Do we have any emotions about Zachariah just in general? You know what? I kind of like him. Like, yeah. as a character, like, I'm vibing. Like, mm-hmm. I like this character. I'm like, I see you, you, you. He has, like, a similar chaotic energy to, like, someone like the trickster. Yeah. But he also has, like, that little bit of, like, Cass's, like, seriousness and, like, mm-hmm. I'm doing with this because it's, like, the purpose or whatever. Like, yeah. it is the mission. Like, mm-hmm. it's a fun balance between those two balance. energies. And I really like the actor who plays him. Like, I think the actor who's playing him is very fun. Like, I think, like, the vibe that he's bringing is so interesting. Yeah. And I also think it's fun that we get an episode like Mystery Spot, but... It is explicit yeah. that it is a test. Yeah. It is canonically in – it's not subtext. It's not speculation. Mm-hmm. It is a test for Dean. Yeah. It is meant to be something that reinforces for Dean mm-hmm. what's happening here. So I think that's fascinating from an implication standpoint. I'm really glad that you like Zachariah. Yeah. Zachariah is one of my favorite angel characters for the exact same reasons that you just said. I think that he's played phenomenally. Yeah. And I think that he toes this really great line between being that sort of cocky, sarcastic little shit, Mm -hmm. but also being a very serious character. And it makes this great dynamic. And it does make him feel, I think, more dangerous. Because when he lets up on the being a cocky shit, you're just left with the deadly serious. And because you have that sort of shift, it feels more, the threat feels more tangible. I would like to say, though, that on behalf of Zachariah, I am, like, really fucking offended because Cass describes Uriel as the funniest person <laughs> in the platoon. And, like, that the funniest is ob- angel in the garrison. In the yeah. garrison. That is objectively false. If, he, if Zachariah is Cass's superior, he is part of the garrison, and it is fucking rude for <laughs> Cass to try and frame Uriel as the funniest angel when Zachariah is right there. <laughs> Like that, it, it for me that is I love so. That, rude. that is your takeaway. That's <laughs> that's so funny. Okay, I love that. I'm really, I'm really glad that you like Zachariah. I it is not a spoiler, so I'm going to tell you we do get more of him. Perfect, love. He's he is really, really mm. fun, mm. and he is one of the. He will become in, like important. Like he yeah. is not a he's not a throwaway angel character, which is which is really fun. Not like, I would argue that Uriel's almost a throwaway angel character. They kind of turned him into one. Yeah. Because they've already kind of eliminated him. Yeah. It's like he appeared for like four episodes. They And then they basically just used him to prove that angels could be traitors. Yeah. Like, and then which, they threw him away, which they'd already established with Anna. I think that they kind of established Anna and Uriel as like 
opposites. Yes. But both proving the same theory. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because they've proved the same point twice, but in opposite directions. directions. Yeah. And I think that that is also an important yes. element. Although it is a shame that we lost Uriel because I know that you weren't the biggest fan, but I just, I really love that actor's particular yes. performance. I've no, already talked the about The actor it, is but... phenomenal. I'm just sad of what they did with the character and it yeah. does feel, it does make him feel like a throwaway sort of angel character. Yeah, which is really upsetting because I think that he could have been something really, really fascinating. I really love that we're getting a few more angel characters. It's very interesting to see their dynamics and it also really highlights for me and I think most people the difference that is Cass. Because mm. Cass isn't in this episode. No. But it's not even just like Cass and Miss Show Collins as Cass. It's also the implications that Cass brings to the table. Yeah. It's like one angel means many angels. It's just opened up an entire new sandbox for these writers to play in. Yeah. And I think it makes it feel bigger. Mm. Mm-hmm. Really sort of effortlessly, if that makes sense. Like everything feels bigger. Everything feels more important. Yeah. And it it does add to that sort of like the stakes of the season. It adds to the, like, it's no longer just, oh, we're trying to save like four people or like we're just trying to stop mm-hmm. this one. It's everything is on the line. It adds to that sense of all-encompassing, like, no matter how far they run, they couldn't escape it. Yeah, there's not like they could just fuck off to the other side of the country and be away from the threat. No. Or even, like, go international and be away from the threat. Like, Or just, like, go into hiding so Lilith can't find them. Like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter whether Lilith finds them or not. Like, the angels can find them. Yeah. Actually, I do want to, like, touch back on Dean very quickly. Yeah. There is a line from Zachariah where he's talking about – he's talking to Dean at the end of the episode – and he's saying, you know, oh, you think you're not strong enough, you're scared, you've got daddy issues. And I was like, whoa, way to fucking come for his life. All right. But then he says, like, for God's sake, Dean, quit whining. First of all, fuck off. Like, this poor man literally has the weight of the entire world on his shoulders and you're telling him to get over it? Like, fuck you. But Dean, we know, as we've talked about a lot, we make the joke, he's repression boy. He doesn't talk about shit. And when he's struggling, he tends not to voice it. He hides it, particularly from Sam. But yeah, so I just I just wanted to touch on that. Okay, yeah. I want to talk about Sam. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to Sam. Look, I touched on that earlier, mm-hmm. but we didn't really discuss it because we were focusing on Dean because this is a Dean episode. Yeah. I would argue this is a Dean I episode. I would agree. Yeah. The angels were like, this is a Dean episode. So yeah. it's, a, it's a Dean episode. <laughs> the angels have decided that this is Dean's story now. But I do want to talk about Sam mm-hmm. because Sam is still having his dreams. Mm-hmm. Whether it was intentional or not, at this point, Sam's dreams are linked to his psychic abilities as part of his demon blood. Yeah. And he even says in this episode, he's like, it's like there's something in my blood. And I was like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> they were having too much fun. Yeah. But it's so intrinsically linked with his demon blood. Mm-hmm. The implication for me is that Sam's demon blood, mm-hmm. whatever's happening there, is more powerful than the angels. I think that's a really interesting if the, angle to take. If the angels can't nullify the effect his demon blood has on him, mm-hmm. they've used the threat on Dean, if you can't stop him, we're going to kill him. Yeah. I don't know if they could kill him. Mm. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Because if they can't even nullify his demon blood so that he stops having his prophetic dreams... Mm. How are they actually going to kill him? Like, how are they going to take that a step further and 
take Sam out. Take Sam out of the equation. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe they'll just stab him. He's very stab <laughs> Sam is so inherently powerful that even after three weeks without topping up on demon blood, mm-hmm. he is still having prophetic visions when the angels have removed all of his knowledge. Mm-hmm. What I think is fucking fascinating about this, do you remember we were talking about how Sam, and I think this was me that we heard from, I want to say it was an episode of Saving People Queering Things, but it was kj's theory as a guest on that episode i want to say it's been a while i would have never listened to it so yeah for trust you on this one so i want to say that we brought this up or i brought this up to you i think back in season two but it's this concept of sam as a plot device yes and i do think it is really really fascinating that even though this is a dean centric episode the angels are focused almost entirely on dean and dean's choices and dean's reactions Sam is not confronted by an angel. We don't even see Sam's home in this episode. No. In an episode that is so focused around having a life outside of hunting, Mm -hmm. having a normal 9 to 5, having a normal home, we do not even see Sam's home. No. We do see Dean's. We see Dean's extensively. Yeah. They spend a lot of time there. And I want to quickly point out that it is immaculate. Mm -hmm. Immaculate. And, like, yes... He could probably afford to have, like, hired help clean the yes. But I, I want to say that he cleans – I think he takes pride in keeping his home clean. And I do have evidence for this, but we won't get to it until, like, okay. season eight. Anyway, my point is that even in a Dean-centric episode, Sam is still the one pushing the plot forward. Yes. Every single thing that drives the plot forward is influenced by Sam. Yeah. Because, like we said before, even if Dean had still seen that guy stab himself in the neck with a pencil – he was thinking about the possibility of ghosts because Sam had already cornered him. Yeah. He would not have called Sam to his office if Sam had not found him first. And the only reason Sam found him was because he was having the fucking dreams. It's really easy to dismiss something if you haven't already got other compounding evidence. Yeah. Which is what I would assume Dean probably would have done if he had just like, oh, I must have just saw, seen something in the mirror. Yeah, I was panicking. I, I just pan- watched a guy kill himself. <laughs> Like, you know, he could have put the taps down to, like, wacky plumbing. Like, the soap yeah. might have been a bit harder to explain. But in that, like, panic state, he might not even rem- have remembered those details if yeah. he wasn't focusing on, like, oh, that's weird and inexplicable, kind of like the weird and inexplicable yeah. stuff this guy keeps bringing up to me in random fucking yeah. elevators. I just think it is so interesting that, yeah, even in this very Dean-centric episode... The plot is still manoeuvred by Sam. Yeah. And specifically by Sam's visions, which was the whole thing that propelled the plot through seasons one and two. I think it's fascinating from an implication standpoint, just the fact that whatever the angels did to them could not overcome Sam's power. It's which bananas. It's fascinating because, okay, so in, I want to say 403. In the beginning? In the beginning. Cass says to Dean, you need to stop Sam or we will. Yeah, at the very end of the episode. Yeah. Very end of the episode. Very cryptic. Very Cass-like. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> He's an angel. <laughs> I struggle to believe that if they were making that threat months ago in 403, that what Sam's been doing recently wouldn't be enough for them to kill Sam. Yeah. I struggle to believe that in a universe where what he was doing before was enough for them to threaten to kill Sam if Dean on couldn't stop him, yeah. on principle, I don't think they have the power to... You think it's an empty threat? I think it's an empty threat. Mm. I don't think they can follow through on it. And whether that's because Sam's too powerful for them to be able to kill, mm-hmm. or if there are other implications to killing Sam that are going to be 
worse. Like maybe maybe Sam's death would be breaking one of the seals. I think what's really interesting about this train of thought that you're on right now is that I would say that at least part of the reason that the angels are not following through on this threat is because if they did, Dean would never help them. Never in a million years. If they took out Sam... But also, they could frame it as Ruby took out Sam. Yeah, they could frame... You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh, yeah, us, the angels, are now following through on our threat. Mm. They fight fucking ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They deal with vampires. And actually, angels we know can be invisible. Yeah. And manipulate stuff invisibly. So Yeah. There is no reason why if they could take out Sam, they wouldn't have already yeah. taken out Sam, other than keeping Dean on their side. But they could take out Sam without Dean knowing it was the angels. Yeah. In fact... It would probably help if they could pin Sam's murder on other demons Mm. so that Dean defected to their side to try and get at least a semblance of revenge against the demons that hurt Sam. Yeah. I'm fully on board with this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I'm questioning now at this point, like it's very obvious that whatever Dean's doing is not stopping Sam Mm. and also that Dean knows Sam is doing it again and still not managing to stop him Mm -hmm. i want to make two points on this right i think i'm so glad that you brought this up because this is super fascinating yeah and i kind of want to where are your annotated scripts now literally they're in my mind (laughs) so there are two instances that i think really back you up yeah and so i'm gonna put them on the table here instance number one we talked about i think either in 403 or in 404 in regards to that comment from cass we talked about how when john told Dean that you would either have to save Sam or kill Sam he was leaving that decision with Dean Dean got to decide where the limit was right when Sam became too dangerous whether that was to himself or others Dean had the choice yeah what we talked about was that the angels have now removed Dean's choice from the equation they have said we get to choose the limit and we will decide whether he lives or dies the only thing you can do is try to stop him from going too far but we don't even tell we haven't even told you where that line in the sand is we've just told you to stop him from progressing, right? So I think that's one point that is really interesting because, yeah, either Sam has not reached the limit yet that they're willing to let him get to, which seems bizarre, Yeah, or maybe they are bluffing. Maybe that's something that they're not actually capable of doing. So they were relying on Dean to be able to keep Sam in check because they knew they didn't have a way to stop him. And that threat is the level of threat for Dean to take it seriously. Yeah. And point number two, in last week's episode, when Sam took out Alistair, I mean, you made the joke that it was now the Misha Collins reaction shot show, and we got a massive reaction shot from Cass watching Sam take out Alistair, and he did not just look mildly concerned. He didn't look impressed. He looked scared. Also, we get the confirmation. So, first up, we know that what... Sam is essentially doing is exercising the demons. Yeah. Right? When he's doing that thing with his mind, he's essentially exercising the demons. Well, actually, no. He says to Alistair, now I can kill. Which is something that we have not seen outside of the But previously, the the first step was exercising the demons. Mm -hmm. That's what he learned to do first. He was exercising the demons from their hosts. Mm -hmm. We've also just now got confirmation that you can exercise an angel mm-hmm. from their host. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great fucking point. 
And if the first step was exorcism and then with enough power and practice, you can go from exorcism to kill to kill. And from a distance too. Like you don't have to get close no. range. It's not Which like means the it might be harder for them to them. they might find it harder to stab Sam if he's a hundred meters away. <laughs> I actually think that this is really, really interesting. And I'm very glad that you brought it up. Is this like not to toot my own horn? Is this something <laughs> that you'd ever thought about in the context of this episode before? No. Okay. Is this something that like is an interesting viewpoint to view like ahead? Yes. Is this something that we will get some sort of answer or resolution around? Or is this something that's just really interesting as a thought experiment? Yes and no. Okay. So to an extent, like obviously with Sam and the demon blood and the fact that he now is not just having demon blood inherently because of what happened with Azazel and he's not just training his powers, we also know he's he's now ingesting demon Mm. blood. And like obviously his abilities and his powers are increasing. Yeah. Obviously this plot is not over and there is more to learn. I don't know how to explain to you properly without getting into spoilers. No. But we do definitely get more information and we do find out more about Sam and the blood and the So the do we find out why they're not killing Sam is probably the question to ask. Obviously, don't tell me which one it is. Is it that he hasn't crossed the line or that they couldn't or that they didn't want to piss off Dean or that do we find out there, why there are definite there is there is a reason why yeah. they're not killing Sam we do find it out okay lovely but this this whole viewpoint about the angels and Sam's powers and who is actually inherently more powerful I, it's a very fascinating discussion to be having so it's it's certainly an interesting angle to look at it from did you have anything else on that that you wanted to posit? Or at this point, I don't think we have any other like really like potent evidence yeah, of it. No, that's fine. But I do like it was an implication that I sort of like I thought of, and I was like, I do want to have like a discussion about it mm-hmm. and like see if it was something that you were going to immediately like shoot down. Like, no, Jamie, you're an idiot. They've already given us the reason why they haven't <laughs> killed Sam yet. I promise you, this one will actually get answered. Unlike the red tape demon deal bullshit (laughs) look i'm still waiting for them to confirm the reasoning in the winchesters (laughs) like before we get off the topic of sam i do want to touch back on yet another thing that we have discussed before but i do think that this episode is yet another great example of it and i do think it's a fun thing that i want to talk to you about customer service sam yeah so we have talked a lot about how Dean is framed as being the like dangerous brother but he's actually super predictable and generally pretty well in control of himself and his actions and how Sam is actually like the absolute chaos incarnate like completely fucking unhinged brother but everyone kind of presents him as the like put together one right not to bring up leverage on the supernatural podcast that's fine but Nate and Elliot coded yeah kind of low-key like Nate puts on this front of like he's calm and collected and in control Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day he's like a chaotic motherfucker who has a raging addiction problem yeah who has a raging addiction (laughs) problem and then you have Elliot who can put on this sort of like facade of being out of control Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day everything he does is like performative performative and Mm -hmm. like so tightly under his control like and he's quite predictable and he's we've had discussions before about how the there is an overlap between leverage and supernatural. Yeah. So for anyone who has seen leverage, that analysis will be really interesting for them. Does that I, make just I would, Maggie? No, I guess it makes Madison Maggie as the ex-fiance. <laughs> anyway, I want to talk about the fact that while Dean 
decides very calmly and collectedly that he is actually going to leave the office job to yeah. pursue hunting. And he turns down the offer. And yeah. No, has the I've got another calling. I'm... And he's very mature about it, very, like, you know, professional and, and whatever about it's it. It's not you, it's me of corporate breakup speeches. Yeah, exactly. Literally. And Sam, who just has a fucking fire poker with him at his desk now, literally loses his damn mind. Like, Rosa and that fucking computer in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And he's the printer. Yes. And the printer. Yeah. And he absolutely smashes the shit out of this phone. Talking about Dean and control and, like, the way that he expresses his emotions, I'm thinking about everyone loves a clown. Dean smashes the Impala, right, with the crowbar. That is, like, a controlled outlet, I think. Because it's his own property. It's his own property. He's doing it in privacy. Like, it is an expression of his emotions. But I would argue that it's, like, it's destructive, but it's relatively controlled he's not going around and like smashing up another car yeah it's like it's not someone else's property he's not bringing harm to anyone else and he's not distressing anyone else there's no one in his vicinity it's an expression of his emotions but it is in a controlled environment sam on the other hand loses his mind in a very public place in close quarters smashes the shit out of someone else's property like sam is unhinged sam is a raving lunatic (laughs) and also like sam is the one who will go out of his way to approach some guy he does not know and ask questions like, have you had any, like, weird dreams? Like, Sam is insane. Like, as much as the show tries to push the stereotype of, like, Dean is the unhinged one, no fucking way. It is 100% Sam. 100%. And not to pull it back to your trickster theory, but I do want to quickly reference... It's a circle. (laughs) You could always call it a mystery spot. Oh my god. I do want to reference the fact that the trickster does say in Mystery Spot to Sam, anyone who ever said that Dean was the unhinged one or the crazy one has obviously never seen you with a sharp object in your hands. Like, I I know that I'm barely tolerating nope. your tricks, trickster theory. <laughs> and, and this is partially why I've moved the trickster theory from the, like, batshit, this is a really yeah. fun joke because Beth hates it, <laughs> to, like, you know what, this is an actual genuine theory because... I cannot think of a reason why they would be paralleling Mm. and, like, reusing story elements that they predominantly used in trickster episodes Mm -hmm. in this episode, which is canonically perpetrated by an angel. Yeah. Actually, the thing that I'd said to you back in in 403 that sort of triggered this idea for you was that the angels typically like to teach the boys lessons through experience rather than speaking to them essentially so rather than just giving them the information they tend to like to put them in a scenario and make them live it and then be like see we told you that this is the case see we just proved we proved our point to you before we even explained the point yes and this is one of the scenarios that i was thinking of yes like this is one of the most prominent examples and i just wanted to to touch on that Anyway, are you ready for my PSA of the day? I'm never quite ready for your PSA, but I am excited for it. Okay, what do you think my PSA is this week? Work-life balance. It's important to have. You should have a creative outlet outside of your workplace. You shouldn't be devoting your entire life to your work. You should be devoting at least some of it to other exploits. While that that is accurate, I would argue that it's not my PSA this week because it can apply to literally every episode of the CW Supernatural. Okay. Well, I thought it was particularly applicable to this one because of obviously like the cubicles. You know what? 
the boys have better work-life balance in this episode <laughs> than they normally do. You're so right. No. My, my PSA of the day is elevator etiquette. Mm. Because I'm sorry, but the scene where they're all in the elevator and, like, Dean's just minding his own business and Sam is staring at him. I, I was physically uncomfortable. This is what I'm saying. Sam looks like a fucking lunatic. I am like, sir. <laughs> but yeah, no, Sam looks like an absolute yeah. insane person. 100%. Especially just... when they're like wheeling the body away and he's just like staring at Dean. Like, that feels like a fucking open threat. Yeah. Like, if I was Dean, I would be like locking my office door. I would be maybe contacting HR. Like, hey, do you know anything about this fucking weirdo on, you know, the call center level? Because... He's making me uncomfy. Elevator etiquette. Don't stare at people in elevators. It's super uncomfortable. Don't yes. do it. And they can't, have, they can't escape you either. Because no. it's an elevator. It's like literally less than two meters across. Like, yeah. You can only get so far away. Also, don't hang half in, half out of the elevator. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's what I thought your fucking PSA was going to be. I just remembered. I had a note. I literally came up with the fucking work-life balance things on the fly because I forgot what I was going to say. But... The thing that I actually thought it was going to be was to call emergency services and let the professionals help you out of the situation rather than just trying to do it yourself. Like, here's the thing. Okay. He took a risk to get himself out of the elevator. That's fine. Okay. He took that risk himself. He took that risk. It was for a purpose. Mm -hmm. He then led back into the elevator a situation he knew was dangerous and could possibly fucking kill him to call Sam out. Yeah. It's like, you've already gotten out, sir. Do not take a risk for no goddamn reason. I also think it's funny that he went back in and he was like, I don't have the rest of my life to wait. And then he immediately died. I was like, little did you know. Goddamn, I guess you did have yeah, the rest you of you. literally had the rest of your life to wait. I do think that was hilarious. Oh my God. Speaking of hilarious, I can't believe that we have not already talked about this. The ghost faces. The ghost faces. Yeah. Make an appearance. Like, that was here's the thing. That is like the most minor of minor bullshit. So like that's gonna be at the end of the episode. Like that is like our final closing points where we're like, oh yeah, we don't, we have to talk about the ghost face. We ha- they're so funny. I love the fact that they do they do they call them out by name. Yeah, they call them the, the oh Winchesters. God, I wrote some uh, those useless douchebags that we hate. The Winchesters. The aforementioned Winchester douche nozzles. Like, they do it a couple of times. Yeah. It's so fucking funny. I also find it funny that there's more swearing in the little bit that we get of the ghost faces than we have gotten in the rest of the show. It's the ghost faces effect. Like, and somehow the ghost faces effect doesn't even apply to them when they're just, like, videoed and then put in the world. Yeah. It's like, the implications of that are Fascinating. It is so... This, the ghost faces effect is some of my favourite matter. We we don't hear the brothers calling people like douche nozzles or like this... Like, because they... We, use, we, get, we get douche sometimes from yeah, Dean. And but, very occasionally we'll get it from Sam. But we got more like, not necessarily swear words. They didn't drop any like F-bombs or anything, which is like... Yeah. We're still getting like swear word adjacent from them. Which is, like, something we very rarely... Like, the closest we get is, like, Bobby calling them idiot. Or, like, some, or like Dean going, son of a bee, bitch. Yeah. Like, we don't hear them, like, going, oh, yeah, that fucking asshole. Like, yeah, we get... Sam says crap a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, we almost get more swearing in that, like... Mm-hmm. Or, like, at least the implication joke of. bit. Yeah. I also love the part where they're, like, 
you may have to dig up the body. Illegal in some states, all states. Probably illegal in all states. <laughs> I love the ghost faces. Every time that we get, like, the reminder that they are still out in the universe, just because yeah. we are not seeing them, does not mean that they cease to exist. And I, I love just the think fact it's that so funny. That just, like, coincidentally, the resources they found are the ghost faces. And all of the knowledge that the ghost faces have is because Sam and Dean, like, not necessarily taught them, but they watched Sam and Dean do it. And, like, they. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, the knowledge comes from Sam and Dean. The funniest thing is Dean saying, these guys are geniuses, real actual ghost hunters. And then the fact... The fact that we know mm -hmm. that they are not actual ghost hunters. Like, they are... Yeah. It's so fucking funny to see Dean react to them like that. And then Sam and Dean both watching this fucking instructional video, which is so... Like, whenever they have the ghost faces, they really do commit to the bit of making it, like, bad, like... It's movie like, maker edits. It's, and, yeah. yeah. And I do love like the instructional video does feel like one of those workplace safety instructional yeah. videos. Like it's just I beautiful. also love the fact that it kind of lays out the exact standard episode like Sheldon Burton episode of Supernatural. That is the exact process. Yeah. It literally I so Naomi was sitting with me while we were watching it and she literally was like, Oh my god, Supernatural is so fucking procedural. She's like, You know what's yeah. gonna happen. Because they follow the same format every episode. And I was like, And it is yeah, outlined in this instructional video. Yeah. The meta analysis of that alone. Find out who the ghost is. You figure out what you're up against. You go and to burn the bones. Yeah, you figure out how to kill it. You can't burn the bones. Most of the time there's, like, a piece of hair in a locket or this, that, or the other. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you come up against a roadblock. You overcome that roadblock. Yeah, exactly. It is so interesting. And I love that they use the ghost faces because of the ghost faces effect. Yeah. Because of the way that we have seen them, specifically in the episode Ghost Faces, we've seen how they are outside of the narrative of Supernatural. Yeah. And so it is so interesting to and watch it. Oh, God. <laughs> I love you have had so many theories about who God is Mary has been God um, Dean has been God an infant has been God and now Ed and Harry <laughs> here's the thing though I know that they do eventually make Chuck God yeah like I realise that this is but just like, you joking but I do it, think it's very fun it, but it's fun like you know but like also how do you know there is not something like inherently supernatural about Ed and Harry yeah that mean that they can escape the narrative. In an AU world, Ed and Harry were God's blobos and Sam and Dean were off the hook. <laughs> and you know what? I think Supernatural would be a better show. <laughs> I do love that they use the ghost faces to tell this meta-narrative of yeah. this is the structure of Supernatural. Like, let us lay out the formula for you in case you've missed it at this point. like Yeah, exactly. But it's not only... It's outlined by these guys who we already know exist outside the narrative of Supernatural. But it's also telling Sam and Dean, like, this is... This is your steps. life. This is your life. Yeah. These, like, on a day-to-day -day basis, these are the steps that you take... Yeah. ...to hunt ghosts. Like... And kudos to Sarah Gamble, honestly, because this is such a funny and creative way to put this across... Because they could have, like, just had a web page. Yeah. Like, they could have just kind of fumbled their way through it. But this is such a fun and, like, meta-analysis perspective 
fucking fascinating way to present it, particularly in an episode that is all about fabrication. I also think it's fascinating because I don't think we have ever heard a character in Supernatural who has actually met the brothers. Like, there, there are very few characters in Supernatural who meet the brothers and then continue to talk negatively about the brothers. Yeah. Like, it is limited to Gordon. Mm-hmm. Gordon's sidekick. Like associates, yeah. Creeley? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Both of whom are dead. Mm-hmm. And Ed and Harry. Yeah, the only other instance being, like, obviously, like, angels or demons, but in terms of humans, humans, yeah, the only the only one that you could possibly also add to that list is Bella, but I would even argue that she doesn't necessarily no, talk be, negatively no. about them. She, yeah. She'll make fun of them to their faces, Yeah, but it's not like a, they had, the boys and Bella, at, obviously the, the ending was messy, but they did yeah. have a relatively stable sort of mutual respect for each other, they even were, if it was messy. They weren't going around slandering each other, though, is the key. Yeah, or at least not slandering each other's, like, like on a public forum. Like, yeah. these guys have essentially just made a YouTube yeah. video. Yeah, you make a great point. Usually people, even Henriksen, yeah. who started off obviously not liking the but boys. But he spent any sort of time with the boys and he... They're bloody charismatic. Yeah. And yeah. This, is, this is a joke that like is in fandom, and I think you have actually brought it up before, but basically it's this idea that side characters... They meet the Winchesters, and no oh, matter Winchester what... Winchester Derangement Syndrome. Winchester Derangement Syndrome. Yeah. But... The term that I've seen floating. Yeah. You know, self-diagnosed, you know, yeah. yours truly. But this concept of secondary characters meeting the Winchesters, and basically the boys saying to jump, and the, the secondary character yeah. saying, well, how high? So it's just so rare. That we have a human character, especially Who, recurring. Yeah. And also, that is not an antagonist. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the key, like... Gordon was a plot device. Gordon was an antagonist. Yeah. Gordon was a threat for the brothers. Mm-hmm. And to have a so character... for a period of time. Yeah. To have a character who's not an antagonist, and you could almost argue for them being protagonists, mm. as in they align morally with the... Yeah, they're on the same side of the fight. Yeah. The thing about Ed and Harry is that they're just kind of bumbling idiots. Yeah. You know, but they're not actually antagonists. No, they might be a, a, a hurdle. Yeah. But they're not... They're in, not antagonists. Yeah. They're not purposefully working against Sam and Dean. Yeah, they're just making their job more difficult, yeah. sort of by nature of them being there. Yeah. Like, it just makes you question, like, what is it inherently about Ed and Harry... That makes them exempt from what seems to hit everybody else any time they actually meet the Winchester. And this is the thing about the ghost faces effect. It does make me wonder if somehow they fall outside of, like, we talked yeah. again about this fabricated control, like, this fabricated yeah. scenario that the angels have created for Sam and Dean to live in. And we've talked before about how Sam and Dean are, like, God's bulbos. Yeah. It does make me wonder if, like... They're kind of disregarded as unimportant side characters who, like... It's not worth the energy to... Yeah, of incorporating them. Yeah. You know? And they're just kind of left to their own devices, kind of bumbling around in the background. And we get flashes like this, instances of them still sort of being out there and doing their own thing. But they're largely left to their own devices and therefore retain... Like, they're unimpacted by main character syndrome. Yeah. Like, (laughs) you know... They're exempt from the pattern that we've seen from every other character. Yeah. They still are quite bitter almost. They're still quite like, yeah. we don't like them. 
It does bring up the interesting question of how involved the angels were in this particular scenario. It makes me wonder if they influenced Dean's searches to yeah. find specifically the ghost faces because they knew that that would be the video that they would find that specifically talked about the Winchesters and yeah. about their tactics. Because like you said, like the angels are saying that, you know, you'll always find this it's in your blood, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like we've said, it's not. They pushed them into this. They're still treating them like chess pieces, even in this scenario mm-hmm. where their whole point is that they're not. That so, you've got free will and when everything yeah, else the, is... Yeah, the big illusion of free yeah, will. They're, yeah, they're, they're basically saying we've removed everything that should mean that you think your, you know, your moral duty is... Hunting. Hunting. But they haven't. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're almost actively pushing things on that contradict what they're trying to do yeah and this is the thing about angels is they're fucking tricky little shits and this is kind of why and they're extra as hell as well you could almost call them trickster little shits oh i need to think about my fucking word choices it comes back to that thing that i was talking to you about in 403 the beginning and my point that i don't think that they sent dean back in time to stop stop anything i think they sent dean back in time hoping that azazel would make his little villain monologue and that Cass, like, I think... They could get some more information out of Azazel about yeah, what he was actually doing. Because that is another example of them telling the boys, or at least Dean, this was the purpose of this exercise, while very clearly having that not be the purpose of this exercise. Because I think the purpose of this episode was not to prove objectively that Dean will always go to hunting, but to prove to Dean... That he will to make him believe that he would always go to hunting, which is just not the case because it's the same thing that we always talk about. Like hunters are only hunters because they've had a friend or family member die Mm -hmm. tragically at the hands of something supernatural. Yeah, exactly. They are almost exclusively pushed into the life that way. We have very few instances, and like Mary being one of them. Mary was raised in it by her parents, but we actually never get canon evidence. And maybe this will change with the Winchesters now, the prequel running. Yeah. We may get backstory into how her family came to be hunters, but Mary herself was raised in it the same way Sam and Dean were. Obviously, though, that's a little different because Mary died and that's the Mm -hmm. point. But we have very few other hunters that come into the life just because they're introduced to the supernatural and they choose to follow it. There's lots of different ways, but there's always some sort of traumatic event that instigates it. It's never just, oh, hey, look, I'm kind of interested in ghosts. I'm going to do some research. Oh, wow, they're actually real. Maybe I should like Yeah, them. exactly. Like, happy, normal, well-adjusted people don't go into hunting. Yeah, and actually what's really interesting is in this episode, when Sam is asking Dean about whether he believes in ghosts, he's like, I've never really given it much thought. Mm-hmm. Because he's a happy, he? normal, well-adjusted person in this he's, episode. That's he the whole is point. a well-respected man. He's just going about his life day to day he's more worried about his juice cleanse than he is the fact he hasn't been to the gym in weeks yeah exactly even though he has a home fucking gym so that line makes no sense whatsoever but like even when they say no we're not pushing you into hunting they put him in an office building where there was a ghost yeah exactly how is that not pushing him into hunting exactly and the other thing is Oh my god, sorry. I'm about to make a point that's actually, like, relevant and interesting. In fact, I'm actually going to make it first so that I don't forget what it is. One of the things that they do is they have Sam say to Dean, like, oh, should we check it out, like, right now? And Dean's like, no, 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 like, it's getting, like, we'll do it tomorrow or whatever. And then he's like, I'm dying to check it out right now. 
you could interpret like again that is sam by the way who's yeah. pushing this narrative of like no we should definitely do this now but and then dean agrees with him like yes like right like i am also so fascinated by this yeah but it's also like i would argue that that's just kind of human curiosity Nature? yeah like curiosity killed the cat like people are nosy you know and i i think that even that is they were pushed into that position you know, and of course yeah. they were they were interested. Of course they were confused. Of course they're gonna want to go check it out. You know, I don't think that you could use that really as an argument that they would always fall into into hunting. What I do really want to touch on though is another instance of Bella Twilight being relevant <laughs> when Sam fucking googles vampires. I- <laughs> I, I made a note of that. So I was literally funny. just like Sam's laptop in it up. No, I just the, the funniest fucking thing just occurred to me. Sam embodying Bella in this episode. I shit you not, okay? His decisions being the thing that moved the plot forward. The fact that he's sitting at his computer googling vampires while his ex-fiance Madison the werewolf is an aunt. I, that's too funny. Also the little fucking Dracula bobblehead on his desk. Sam is Bella Twilight. <laughs> There are literal Twitter posts that are just comparing the costuming choices of Sam to Bella Twilight. Yeah. The fact that it's like the scene of Googling or Yahooing or whatever the hell, binging. Uh, it's not, it's not. Whatever search it's like engine. Web fake, search or whatever. Yeah, whatever fake web search yeah. they're using. fact that he searches vampires and then brings up his ex-fiance, the werewolf, is so funny to me. I can't believe I've never made that connection before. That's hilarious. Oh, I also just want to put a quick shout out to a couple of lines that we get in this episode. One being Dean saying, so you're saying you have special dreams and you're some kind of psychic? And Sam being like, no, that would be nuts. Hilarious. And another line, Sam saying, what if there's something not natural? I just, so funny. You could make a whole show out of that. Yeah. I also want to quickly touch on Dean saying, I don't believe in destiny. I do believe in dealing with what's right in front of us, though. And I think that that's really interesting because it comes back to that concept that we've talked about a few times of Dean not believing things unless he has confronted them himself and seen them with his own two eyes. And that is very much how he's felt about Cass and the whole concept of angels. So I do think it's interesting that that particular viewpoint is being raised again, even in a sort of AU scenario where he doesn't have that upbringing and that background knowledge yet. And that kind of asserts to me that even without those things, like they are still ultimately the same characters. They've just been, and the same people, they've just been placed in different scenario, which I guess is ultimately what an AU is. Oh, I do also love the exchange between Sam and Ian, where Sam calls Ian a dick and Ian just says wizard. I just think it's really funny. <laughs> I do want to very quickly wrap up with a couple of notes that I just think are very yeah. fun. So they're not like worth talking about, but I do want to point no, them okay. out. I do love that Dean says to Sam, I don't know you, but I'm going to do a public service and let you know that you overshare. I do think that is hilarious. Me? Uh, we also get Ian stealing all of the office supplies, yeah. which is just so fucking funny. I actually love Ian's character. I yeah. do think he's a very fun once-off. I do want to quickly mention Sam saying, have you tried turning it off and then on again, which I just think is hilarious. It's really the pinnacle of tech support, I am sure. Dean being a fan of Project Runway. They really said in this episode, we're going to make him gay-coded without making him gay, didn't they? 
I mean, they do that in the normal show. <laughs> I That's how you know it's the same character. I genuinely think that in this particular scenario, it, it's another one of those things where, like, if he had been raised in a stable, supportive home and he didn't have John as his parental figure the whole time, he would probably be more comfortable and confident in his own sexuality, you know? And I do think that there is probably a lot we could have touched on in this episode regarding that, but look. Dean literally wears a Kendall outfit. Like, you can't really make too many assertions based on, like, oh, well, he likes Project One Runway. Yeah, that's a stereotype. it's it's a tr- it's a fine line because yes. yes, obviously there are some things about his experience that are different, which means that he, ultimately there are things about him yeah. that are different. But I would argue that the core of who he is has remained the yes. same. Oh, something that I'm surprised that you didn't mention mm-hmm. was that the desaturation at the very end of the episode when Zachariah oh, yeah. breaks the like I spell. did vaguely touch on it. Like I, well, you mentioned I, that the, yeah. the lighting was different, but yeah. the fact that at the very end, when he it does become desaturated mm-hmm. because he's dropped the facade, the shift is fucking it's, jarring as hell. It's almost like this entire episode is framed through like rose-colored glasses. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, that's a great and way to think about it. I think that's really fascinating from like a standpoint of what the angels are trying to teach, which is you would return to hunting regardless. But the issue is the hunting that he wants to return to is not the hunting that he's been doing. The hunting that he's been doing is in the desaturated world. Whereas the hunting in the rose-coloured world, it's all painted with the same rose-coloured glasses. Even the hunting. It's romanticised. Yes. Yeah. And, like, we actually get in the discussion that Sam says with Dean. Also, I hope that Dean made bank in this episode. Like, I hope his paychecks were, like, six grand a week. Like, I hope he made shit tons of money for this goddamn experience. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he was busting his ass. His portfolio was in the sewer. Like, he was stressing about it. I this. hope he gets to keep some of this goddamn money after this shit. Yeah, same. He did three weeks worth of work. He get, deserves to get paid for it. And also, I mean, Sam does too. Although yeah. Sam did make a lot of property damage, and then say, I quit real loud. So maybe some of that will be deducted. But look, anyway, the last thing that I want to touch on is that there's the discussion with Sam and Dean where Sam's like, you know, oh my God, that was amazing. And Dean's like, right. And, you know, first of all, they're actually insane people. Like, I think that this episode really highlights they're crazy. (laughs) But, you know, Sam is like trying to push for like, let's, let's go. Like, let's get out on the road. Like, this is what we were made to do and he like clearly it's meant to be we're so naturally good at it yeah exactly we're it's like fated or whatever and dean is like what quit our jobs hit the road how would we get by stolen credit cards eating diner food drenched in saturated fats sharing a crap motel every night and sam's like those are just details and dean's like details are everything he says this isn't who we were supposed to be and sam does the whole you're not some corporate douchebag. This isn't you. I know you. And Dean is like, know me. You don't know me. And I just think that that is such an interesting discussion for them to have because we've talked so much about how Dean doesn't actually like hunting and how he, if he could have the white picket fence, he would have the white picket fence. He would leave. Sam needs hunting because Sam needs an outlet because Sam has that sort of unchecked, anger like he has that side of him that is chaotic and unhinged do we think though that the angels in this scene were manipulating sam 
I don't know. Well, going on what you were talking about before, I don't even know if they could. Yeah. And I don't think that they have to. You know the angels are in that room, though, invisibly. Yeah. Waiting watching. and watching yeah. for a Dean to cave. And, like, Dean ultimately does decide that he's going to leave, but Sam is the one pushing it. And also he decides not to leave. It's only when they present him with the choice again. Yeah. And it's not like, even the choice of, like, it's the choice of sitting behind a desk and grinding for 10 years versus yeah. a road trip. Like, who the fuck is going to... They didn't present the life to him in an appealing way. Yeah. Like, if that makes sense. Like, they, they didn't say, oh, hey, look, no, we've got, like, we see how hard you're working. If yeah. You, if you can do one more year with us, like, we can put you in for this promotion. The thing is, they didn't even have to give him a timestamp. No. They said in a short eight to ten years. But they could have just said, you're right for promotion if you play your cards right. It's all about the presentation and it comes all the way back to the manipulation of the angels yeah. trying to get their way, convince Dean that this is the objective truth without it actually being the objective truth. It's yeah, just because what it's they want him all to empty think. Because who is going to say, ah, yes, I want to slave away at this company for the next eight to ten years for the chart at a promotion? Mm-hmm. Nobody. Yeah. And when you've recently been pro- like given another option, and arguably, even if you are a person who is really career driven and you do love your job, when it is phrased at you like that. That does no. not sound positive. If it I went into work and they were like, oh, we want to make sure you're sticking around. You, If you stay here for another eight to ten years, maybe, maybe you will move up in the rankings. Yeah. I would be like, I'd be like I'm finding myself another job. And Dean isn't stupid. No. Anyone presented with that kind of information would at least be thinking, I would assume, at, in, on some level, Maybe this job isn't for me. Or yeah. at least maybe this company isn't, isn't for, for me. me. Yeah. And so, of course, you would then maybe turn down. And especially if you've just had a life-altering experience. Yeah. Like, you are in a position where your whole worldview has just been rocked to mm. its very core. And remember that not only did he discover the supernatural was real, but also Sam has made him question his entire family structure. For all we know, because Dean doesn't actually specify that he is leaving to go hunting, because what he says to Zachariah is that something's come up that he needs to address, or something along those lines. Yeah. That could be he wants to go back and see his family to assure himself that that is actually real. He might just need time to reassess his worldview before committing to... But Zachariah takes it as... Yeah, and twists it Mm -hmm. and reframes it. I think it'll be interesting because we don't get an answer this episode as to whether Dean's going to believe it or not because of how they end, they end the episode. Like, you don't actually really get a chance to see Dean respond. No. It, and it, the thing is, you don't see Sam at all. No. Sam is not involved in this conversation. Yeah. Sam, for all intents and purposes, left the building after he smashed that phone and, like, is still living in some, you know, yeah. created scenario. He's still living as Sam Wesley. Yeah, I kind of love this idea that when Zachariah drops the facade, he also drops it for Sam, but yeah. Sam is just fucking somewhere else. <laughs> like, Sam is just like, where <laughs> am I? <laughs> you just know that Zachariah thought he was so fucking clever naming him Smith & Wesson, like the guns, when Winchester is also like the guns. Yeah. One of the executives of Smith & Wesson is named Deanna. <laughs> 
it just came up when I <laughs> when I googled it. That's so funny. Anyway, sorry. But yeah, so I, you just know he was like, I'm so I'm sick. hilarious. I'm fucking again. He is the funniest he's angel in the garrison. I am so, so right. offended on his behalf. I feel like, like Cass does not appreciate the pop culture references. He's just missing no, it. No, he is like yeah. It's Cass's perspective that Uriel is the funniest angel in the garrison. Which, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but, like, if I was Zachariah, I would be offended as fucking shit. Like, oh, sorry, I just remembered. I did have another question for you about yeah. Zachariah. So, Dean is talking about, like, oh, like, you created this whole thing or whatever, and Zachariah says, you should see my decoupage. Do you know what that is? Yeah, it's like when you, like, cut out a bit and then, like, paste it as, like, paper and you... D- 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 yeah, right. It's like I, scrapbooking. I had to Google like, it because okay. I didn't know what it meant. I did laugh when Dean said, ew, gross, because it does sound, like, weird. Yeah. But anyway, I Scratch. looked it up. Yeah, and as I was looking at it, and for anyone who doesn't know, it is the art of decorating an object by gluing coloured paper cutouts onto it or in combination with special paint effects, gold leaf, and other decorative elements. That's just what comes up when you Google yeah. it. What I need to know is, do we think that Zachariah is running like an Etsy? Like, do we think that he, oh my he does God. Some, like, like, it could be him being sarcastic, but also the angels aren't known for their, you know, use of sarcasm. So I, I just love this idea. Well, that does he consider this decoupage? I as mean, in, like, cutting and pasting memories. Oh, oh. Because, like, yeah, normally, a hot take. normally it's paper. Normally decoupage is, like, I have done decoupage before. Oh, damn. Zachariah so we got, like, little wooden hearts. And they're, like, flat wooden hearts. And we got, like, little strips of paper. And you, like, we tore the paper up. And then you coat them in glue, essentially. And you, like, stick Kind of like paper mache. Kind of like paper mache. Except for you you want the colours and paper. There aren't so many layers. Yeah. It's not structural. It's decorative. Yeah. From that perspective, it's essentially, like, cutting out certain memories and pasting in others. Yeah. Or even, so, like, taking... Because it's decorative, right? Yeah. So taking things and adding them to a blank slate. Yeah. And, like, actually, Sam, you know, even makes the point that it is such a, a thin veneer of a facade because as soon as he tried to call Madison, the mm. call went nowhere. There was no angel on the other yeah. line making, like, you know, voice acting. No. Which I suppose they actually would be capable of. We already know that Cass impersonated Bobby convincingly yeah. enough to fool yeah. Sam. So they could have had at least a voicemail, but yeah. he didn't fucking bother. No. Maybe that was just because it was Sam and they don't give a shit about Sam. Yeah, maybe. Well, actually, it kind of works in their favour in that case because, again, Sam is the one pushing Dean. Yeah, so, because if Sam was satisfied, Sam wouldn't have continued to push it. Yeah. God, there are fucking layers to this. Did you think we were going to get this deep about this I, episode? I genuinely didn't. I, this is another, like, House of the Holy type thing for me. And again, another Sarah Gamble episode from, you know, the first observation. It's a fun It's just a fun it. episode. Yeah. And then, you, yeah, you think about it and you're like, God, the implications and the intricacies and yeah. the depth is actually quite phenomenal. Yeah. This is one of those moments, you know, your old puddle analogy. Yeah. About, like... Oopsie doopsies, we've just, like, fucking... We just found the marinara trench. <laughs> marinara? <laughs> Lost in the like sauce. The... <laughs> you know Most, what I mean. There's, like, a river or something that's just, like, tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's fucking interesting. I think that brings us to the end of today's episode. So, Jamie, how would you rate this week's episode, It's a Terrible Life, out of five? Okay. So I know I normally just give you my answer straight up, but mm-hmm. I want to ask you a question first. All right. How scared are you of my rating this week on a scale of one to five? I'm going to say a three. Okay. Because if you rate it 
low, I will be probably quite first surprised and disappointed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you rate like it... How confident are you in knowing what I'm going to rate it? Yeah, but if you rate it highly, I don't know what kind of emotional response I will have. <laughs> like, if you rate it poorly, then I know my what my response will be. Yeah. But if you rate it highly, I don't know... Like, I have had a coffee today. Okay. So I, I have... Was it an iced coffee? It was. <laughs> so it did have ice cream in it too. So there's lots of sugar and caffeine charging through my veins. So I don't know. I hope that you enjoyed it because okay. it was my gut instinct that you would. I know that a lot of the episodes that I adore because of our differences in taste and media, you tend not to like. For example, our last episode on the head of a pin. I adore that episode. I love it so much. And I was a little heartbroken by your writing. I'm not going to lie. But I also understand that fundamentally what you look for in an episode is very different to what I look for. I'm hoping that you enjoyed the elements of this episode in the way that I thought you would. Like, I knew that you would love the ghost faces bits because they're like, they're committing to the bit and it's fun and it's lighthearted and it's a break from the normal structure of the episode. I was hoping that you would really like the structure of the sort of AU setting. It's a more upbeat episode. It's a lot less melodramatic than a few of the previous episodes have been. And it's also, it's not plot heavy, but Mm. it is still plot significant. And like there's character stuff, but it's also not slapping you in the face with character stuff. It's like you you do have to kind of think about it a little. So I am hoping, based on all of that, (laughs) oh, and the lighting was brighter than normal. The lighting changes were used for an intended purpose instead of just being kind of bad. So (laughs) I'm hoping... Based on all of that, that you will give it a, a higher rating than you usually would. But are you scared? Yeah, because if you don't, I've now laid all of that on the table and I'm just going to be proven wrong. Okay, my rating this week was four out of five. Okay. Not, oh my god, favourite episode mm-hmm. so far, mm-hmm. but very solid, mm-hmm. very fun. Cool. I would happily rewatch it again. Okay, cool. I was hoping for a 4 or 4.5. Mm-hmm. Anything lower, I would have been a little bit heartbroken. But I, I will absolutely take that. I will absolutely take I that. I mean, mind I, you, I, I rated last week's episode a 3.5 and you were fucking devastated. Yeah. It's well, only half a point lower than 4. It is, but in if if it was like out of 10, it would be like, you know, it, it because it's out of 5, there's like a very thin margin, I suppose. And I understand you're not giving it a 4.5 because I like fully understand yeah. episodes like Bad Day at Black Rock are what gets you a 4.5. Yeah. And this was not a Bad Day at Black Rock. No. So, but it was very fun and it was it, it errs more on the side towards 4.5 than it does towards 3.5, if that makes sense. Yeah. You you could give it like a 4.25 if we yeah. if we broke it down that much. Yeah. Yeah. I did just remember that there was one other thing that I wanted to ask you, but it does kind of tie into my next question. I did quickly want to make the point that I think from memory and please correct me if you think I'm wrong, is this the first episode, and excluding your tricks of theory, is this the first episode where we have had an angel present at all, but Cass was not present? Like Cass was either not the singular angel or Cass was present as well as another angel. I think, yeah, this is the only episode, like unless I'm correct and the trickster is an angel. Yeah. This is the only, this is, okay. This is the only episode we've got where a character has identified themselves as an angel. Yeah. The and they've been the only one on screen without Cass. Yeah, okay, cool. I thought that as well. I just wanted to touch on that because I realised that something that has literally just occurred to me now that is really interesting is that Cass isn't in this episode. No. It would have made... It would not have made sense for Cass to be the angel that Dean is interacting with 
in this scenario because one, it would have been a massive tip off to the audience that that's what was happening, but also because Dean would be more likely to recognize Cass, like if anything was going to like trip him out of yeah. it. The other thing though is that I do find it's interesting that Cass isn't really involved at all except for that one mention because of what we got last week with the whole bit about Cass isn't here, he likes you. But like, how do we know Cass isn't there? Cass I mean, I guess so. Invisible. He could be invisible. But I do think that it's interesting that this is like... No, he had Kevin. Cass is in every episode. He's just, he's just invisible. <laughs> Obsessed with that. So, it, yeah, it does It does make me wonder, like, if that was the reason why Cass was not one of the angels in charge of this particular mission. Because up until this point, everything involving the Winchesters, Cass has had a finger in that pie. I mean, Cass could have had a finger in this pie. But that we just don't know about. Yeah. Yeah, Because okay. he could have been like, uh, yeah, no, this Dean dude wants to fucking quit. And he could have gone to his superior being like, we need to do something about this. We need to bring Sam out of stasis and like yeah. put him in customer support. Yeah. Okay. My next question. I realize that I'm a fucking dumbass. I've just been editing some of the earlier episodes okay. from this season. And I've realized that I decided on a whim that I was going to add an extra question into our fucking recap Yeah, and section. you never did it again. And then I was going to ask you every episode, do you think Cass is going to be there? And then I just never fucking did it again. So I'm bringing it back now. Okay. Because I was like, damn, that was a, a good idea. And then I just am a moron. So do you think next episode, actually I should say first, next episode is titled The Monster at the End of This Book. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, predictions, fears, okay. hopes, dreams? So I have heard about this episode in fandom. Mm-hmm. We've brought it up. I've mentioned it a yes, few times. You've mentioned it before. I don't give a shit about that. I'm. I don't. I've got nothing plot wise from that. But I am going to reference what I think the title is referencing and okay. base my guess on that. Okay. So basically, the monster at the end of this book is a book that I loved growing up. Mm-hmm. It was a picture book starring Grover from Sesame Street. I love that you say starring. <laughs> it's a beautiful way to phrase that. It is entirely narrated by Grover. Okay. And it is him, this entire, like the entire book, he is panicking. He is desperately trying to stop the reader from finishing the book because he has been told there is a monster at the end of the book. Mm -hmm. It is a literary masterpiece, right? Fascinating, yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you ready for the plot twist? I'm absolutely so ready. You get to the end of the book and he is the monster. I have a Sesame Street-based meta-analysis that I want to talk about. Sam is Grover. Okay. Start plot, but it's Sam as Grover. I'm obsessed with that take, and I'm so glad that you said that. But also, I just want to say that I do know that God in Supernatural is Chuck. Mm -hmm. Chuck is an author, and there is a Supernatural book series in Supernatural. So I'm assuming that we'll probably get some sort of reference to that. Okay. Maybe. Full disclosure. Maybe maybe those books are written beyond where the Winchesters are now. So they're like almost prophetic. And, like, so Sam can, like, the, the brothers read the books, obviously. Oh, so you think Sam sees himself Self ahead at, of the time? Yeah, as the monster at the end of the book. That is really interesting. Thinking about the whole psychic Sam plotline, that would be really fascinating. I'm so glad that you said that you think that the Grover would be Sam because I was like, damn, that would be a really interesting parallel to make and you made it for me. I, I do want to very quickly touch on the fact that Cass and Dean have been referred to as Supernatural's Bert and Ernie. Ernie I do just think that's really, really funny. Great. Did you have any other thoughts, feelings, predictions, or are you just basing it entirely on the fact that you know that Chuck is somehow probably maybe relevant? Yeah. Maybe not Chuck, but Chuck's books. Okay. Because I know that 
Chuck writes books. Okay. Okay. And then it becomes that ethical conundrum of if you're given a book about your life, do you read beyond mm. yeah. where you're up to? Okay. Cool, cool, cool. I, I really love that theory. Regardless of whether you're right, I do think it's a really interesting take. I'm bringing back my secondary question from episodes ago that I fucking forgot about. Do you think that Cass will be in this next episode, yay or nay? I mean, I want him to be. I mean, we always want him to be. <laughs> yes. Misha Collins, we're starting to get to the point of the end of the season. Yeah. I think he's going to start showing up a, li- like, a little bit more and more like okay. his character is necessary to keep the plot moving mm-hmm. and they have started moving the plot. Yeah, we're starting to get a little bit more yeah. development of Cass. And if they are going to introduce like a Chuck in the books and... Mm-hmm. This seems heaven adjacent. Seems heaven adjacent. Seems logical that they would have cast them. Yeah. No, I, I love the theory. I'm very excited for you to see next week's episode. I think I do think you will like next week's as well. I might be shooting myself in the foot, but I do think we could have two for two. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so very much for listening. Hopefully you have had as much fun listening to us blab on as we have had blabbing on. If you did want to get in touch with us and ask us about anything or bring up any points you think we've missed, you can always feel free to get in touch with us at any of our social medias. All of the links will be in the description below. And if you did want to chat, some topics of conversation could include... Did you also grow up reading The Monster at the end of this book? Because I loved that book growing yeah. up. Like, well, if you didn't, what was your favourite kids' book? Yeah. I, w- I would love to know. I'm, I'm here for nostalgic, you know, recollections. If you haven't... Get yourself a copy copy of the monster at the end of this book. There you go. That's a Jamie recommendation. (laughs) It's designed for kids ages three to eight. It is a classic. I love that you know that off the top of your head. (laughs) What a what a really niche. It was in my Google search. This is gonna be an episode where Jamie brings academic knowledge to the supernatural podcast. In terms of academic research on this podcast, a Google search counts. In any case, thank you again so much for listening, and hopefully we will have you back next week. Bye. Bye.